We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast welcome back to another episode of the pack a day podcast you can get all your pack a day updates by following us on twitter at pack a day podcast remember you can always subscribe to the podcast on apple Podcasts, google play TuneIn, stitcher or spotify and of course you can always check us out over at teasehead I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am joined by my co-host, Andrew Mertig, and we're back for another Friday edition of the Packaday Podcast. Andrew, I know you made the long trip to Wisconsin this week. <laughs> You're back in California. Much better weather, I'm sure. How are you? Yeah, slightly better weather. Um, and yeah, it's great to be back, getting reacclimated to Pacific time zone and like this whole time zone jumping thing is is relatively new <laughs> to me and um yeah but it was good it was it was great to be back in wisconsin and i certainly got my fill of cheese curds as i posted on uh twitter i said i ate cheese curds four days in a row and that is very <laughs> much true of the four and a half days i was there for uh and you know i got my fill of cold weather and now i'm back it's a little bit more like you know, temperate and uh, really looking forward to being back to talk a little bit more football today. Okay. But before football, I mean, you you talk about cheese curds. I mean, I'm a, I'm a Culver's frequenter. My son is obsessed with 
what he calls their chicken meat, which is just their chicken tenders. But you know, he's he's sick, so <laughs> right. So, uh, but I'm there all the time. So I I appreciate the cheese curds of Culver's, but I understand that's you know we're talking drive-through level cheese curds. What is a good cheese curd? What makes a good cheese curd? And do they always have to be fried? What's your opinion? Because I'm not well versed in my my curdage here. All right, yeah, this is a bit of a controversial take, but yeah, give me fried cheese curds every day of the week over the quote-unquote squeakers. Squeakers. Fresh, fresh <laughs> cheese curds, fine, delicious. Okay. You know, like, it's a good treat. I like when they throw in the cheese curds on the yeah. cheese trays, uh-huh. you know? You get a little meat and cheese tray, and then there's some cheese curds, and I'm going to sneak, like, way more than my fair share. <laughs> they're good, they're good. Yeah. But I, I actually don't like when they're squeaky. I would rather have the cheese curds a day or two after the package has been open when they're a little okay. bit firmer. I know people aren't going to like that. There's going to be okay. a lot of haters. Fried cheese curds, uh, almost always good. Culver's, Culver's makes a really solid option, right? Like it's, it's, it's like a bad cheese curd is better than no cheese curd. But Culver's, like they, 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 they're just out there hitting a double. You know what Do I mean? Like just, just yeah, solid. right, 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 solid. Is there a is there a correct kind of cheese that goes in a cheese curd? Like I don't even know like what is in the cheese curd. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. Well, there there is some controversy over over whether you want white cheddar or uh, yellow cheddar. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. I will tell you, dairy farmers have told me right. Like people that make millions of cheese curds a year package this <sighs> stuff. I'm not gonna drop the name of the family. Okay. But they're like Door County royalty. Okay. They said the white and the yellow, there is no difference between it's the just two. Color? It's just dye. Are you serious? They taste different. You cannot tell me otherwise. I agree, yeah. Like yeah. I was hundred percent. So I got I got cheese curds four days in a row, four different places. Yep. I will say there were some different experiences. Uh some of them were great, <laughs> some not so not great. Not so much. Okay. Uh, yeah, Culver's always always that solid pick in the middle. Okay. So I I did stop there and get a butter burger too, which uh, so you know got to make up those those calories now that I'm back in right. California. Last question, and I'm promised we'll move on to real things. Do you have an opinion on the curd burger? Have you done? I haven't have, done it yet. Okay. No, it, the the lines at the drive through were were like really really long. The one day I was in Wisconsin when when they had it, and then I wasn't back for the okay. month. All right. Uh, when when they had it this past year, so no, I haven't tried it. It sounds kind of gross, like it it <laughs> it's almost too much. I I like the yeah. smaller cheese curds. When you get the big ones, I'm not talking when a bunch of little ones get stuck together. That's delicious. But the ones that get too big, sometimes they're not cooked all the way in the middle. Yeah, yeah. sometimes it's a little too much. It, it gets pulley. Yeah. So yeah, I will say also in addition to honor my Wisconsin heritage, I did bring back a 12 pack of spotted cow. Very in nice. my suitcase, which <laughs> occupied most of the room that I had, so my clothes got really jammed in there. But yeah, great to be back, and I'm sure people love this conversation. I'm sure they do as well. Yes, I had the opportunity to take a a, a curd burger, and I passed on it, and I regret it to this day. But I'm with yeah. you. I'm a little bit worried about the ratio of of cheese going on there. I don't know. You got you got to try it. But I will say, I've had it at some restaurants where they put the cheese curds whether they're fresh or f- usually fried, they'll put it on top of the burger, a bunch of cheese mm, curds just okay. on top right. in lieu of yeah, the yeah. slice of cheese, and that is delicious. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Now, Michigan people are messed up, and we put olives on our burgers. Mm. That's kind of – I know, I know. So it's uh, we need to, to 
just trust the Wisconsin people with the with the burger thing, I think. So, all right, we'll move on. People did not come here for that fantastic conversation, but let's go ahead. Um, we're going to talk about, we kind of started into a new series last week, just kind of projecting what the teams around the NFC North are going to do this offseason because we're in a spot right now where we always talk in the summer about what teams did. But we don't always have a chance to talk about what they could do, right? And so this is just an exercise with the cap space they have, with the draft capital they have. What are these rivals of the Packers going to do to better themselves or, you know, those kinds of things? So that's where we're at. Last week we started with a conversation around the Chicago Bears. And we're going to kind of continue through the rest of the division. Um, the Vikings will get to eventually. Of course, they do get to hang the division banner. They have that going for them. But that's it, right? They laid the egg in the playoffs, as we all expected, right on schedule. But today is all about the Detroit Lions. And the Lions are an exciting team. They're a young team. And it looks like Detroit has done a really nice job rebuilding this thing in the right way, right? there, uh, There's a lot of change that's going on there, a lot of change that's still to come for that team as they kind of lean into what is now becoming maybe a winning culture there. Um, but let's talk about them a little bit. They've got money to spend. They've got some rich draft capital to invest. And clearly these off-season moves all have a direct impact on the Packers in this division. So uh, I think this is going to be a fun exercise for us to get into and project what Detroit might be up to this coming offseason. Yeah, and so we'll start with free agency. The Lions entered the offseason with a projected $18 million in cap space, but if they restructured Jared Goff, Taylor Decker, Frank Ragnow, Tracy Walker, and then release Big V, Vitae, uh, at guard Josh Reynolds and Michael Brockers, that's going to free up an additional $47.5 million, which would bring them to a total of $65.6 million in cap space. So the Lions do find themselves in a very advantageous situation from a cap standpoint, certainly in the top half of the NFL, um, in being able to create a lot of money uh, to, to spend on free agents. And they do have some of their own. And their their key free agents include running back Jamal Williams, a couple of safeties, Deshaun Elliott and Will Harris, guard Evan Brown. If you don't know the name, he actually played really well this year. Uh, wide receiver DJ Chark, cornerback Mike Hughes, linebacker Alex Anzalone, and defensive lineman Isaiah Bugs. Yeah, this is an interesting list, Andrew, because when I look at it, there are a lot of solid players but nobody that's probably going to break the bank here, right? I think that they probably want Jamal back. He's been so reliable, so productive for them. Uh, but I think he's a big part of the culture that they've built too, right? He's more than just the player on the field. He's the energy. He's he's that guy. So I think they'll find a way to keep him. Uh, but there are a lot of guys on this list who were brought in to probably kind of be that bridge player in a rebuild. Uh, Alex Anzalone is someone who's brought over from the Saints uh, with the coach. Uh, DJ Chark was brought in to provide some juice. Williams, we don't know the longevity of those signings, if they were intended to be there for a long time, but they've served a big purpose in this season. But now that this team is on the cusp of winning, it will be interesting to see how many of these guys are brought back, how they choose to spend the money, and how many of them might even offer some hometown discounts to finish what they started now that things are kind of looking up there in Detroit. 
Yeah, and so we we flip things over to what the Lions have as far as draft capital. And certainly, uh, we start with the number six overall pick, which they acquired from the Los Angeles Rams in the Matthew Stafford deal. They also have their own first-round pick at pick 18. In the second, once again, two picks, their own at 48. And then Minnesota's in the TJ Hawkinson trade coming over at 59. They have their own third-round pick. No fourth rounder that actually flipped back to Minnesota. Uh, and then they have their fifth, their sixth, and then an extra sixth round pick from Denver. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, so two picks in the top 24 picks in the first two two, two rounds of this draft. Uh, The Lions have to kind of be over the moon with how the Rams pick worked out for them, right? Like, obviously, the Rams got the Super Bowl in 2021, so no regrets there, right? But Goff certainly outplayed Stafford this year. Obviously, there were injuries involved in those kinds of things, but they have Goff. And they have the picks. And so it's going to be interesting to see how they invest these picks. Uh, They've hit on a lot of their premium picks recently in these last couple of drafts. And that's been huge for this rebuild. Uh, But they've got to do it again this April. And that's going to be a big deal. Um, That's where things stand at this moment. They've got the cap room. They've got draft ammo. We can speculate about what Detroit will do. But uh, let's talk, Andrew. Let's talk about what we would do if we were the Detroit Lions we're the front office and we get to have some fun these next couple months. What would we do? Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to reflect on one thing that you said that I got me to thinking. It's very rare in the NFL to have a win-win trade. And it seems like this Matthew Stafford, Jared Goff deal is starting to look like that. Yeah. Obviously, the Rams got what they wanted out of it. They win the Super Bowl. Yeah. Whatever you gave up to win a Super Bowl is worth it in the long run. Um, and they look like they're a rebuilding team. The Lions, sort of sneaky under the radar, were able to take the Rams pick from last year, trade up for not that much, all the way up to the Vikings pick, and then get Jamison Williams. 
And so he looks like somebody, um, you know, obviously we don't know, will he come back at full strength? Will he turn into a legitimate um, star wide receiver in the pros? We're, we're still figuring that stuff out, but he looked like he had that electric athletic ability that he had at Ohio State and Alabama. And I, I think, you know, now that the Rams sort of bottomed out last year and the Lions are also getting that sixth pick, yeah. plus it looks like Jared Goff might be able to play a little bit, um, you know, and, and was that just Ben Johnson is a great offensive coordinator and he got the most out of him? Um, we may see because Ben Johnson's going to get some interviews this offseason. And if he leaves, we'll see if that is something that maybe Jared Goff has gotten back to what made him the number one overall pick mm. or maybe not. But it, it does look like this has been really beneficial uh, for both of those franchises. And when we talk about what we would do, I, I think you have to admit that, like, I like the direction that this team is heading. I think it's fair to say that we do as a team. And and I'd advocate for the moves to create as much cap space as possible that I laid out earlier and use that to bring back all the impact players that you had in free agency. You said it best, right? These are kind of mid-level guys they're not going to break the bank, but they are some culture fits. And I'd start with Jamal Williams, DJ Chark, Will Harris, Deshaun Elliott, Evan Brown, and Alex Anzalone. I think all of those played a really key. They, they played a key role in making the Lions what they were down the stretch, which is a really, really good team. And that should leave them with an estimated $29 million in cap space. I would use that space to go after strictly defensive talent. If I'm bringing in free agents, I want them on the defensive side of the ball because the Lions were abysmal there. Even though I do kind of like what the Lions have at cornerback, I'd sign a veteran. Somebody like Jonathan Jones from the New England Patriots. He's 29. He's experienced. He's played really well for the Patriots. You can get him for maybe you know twelve and a half million a year if if you look at spot track. I'd also like to add a linebacker like Devin Bush, who had a really high draft pedigree, right? The Steelers took him super early, yeah. but you believe you can get more out of him than mm-hmm. than Pittsburgh did. It's a it's a low buy. And you saw how good a guy like Alex Anzalone played. And Devin Bush has so much more physical talent yeah. than a than a guy like that. So if you can get your coaches to coach him up. The Lions coaches, young, energetic, passionate, former players. Um, you would think that they can get something out of a guy like Devin Bush. And then I'd add an interior defense alignment. Maybe somebody like, and this is just pulling a name out, Raheem Nunez Roches from Tampa Bay. Somebody that's going to help build a little bit of depth there. Somebody with some experience. You weren't kidding when you said you were just pulling a name out there. That's a serious yeah. name. Um, but the Devin Bush thing is interesting. I mean, it's been a few years, but you forget like, the Steelers traded up like 10 spots yeah. like for a linebacker, which is pretty rare in the first round. So a lot of talent there um, would, you know, change of scenery could be a big deal for him. But I love the emphasis that you brought here on fixing the defense. Uh, we mentioned bringing Jesse Bates in for the Bears last week when we had that conversation. I think he'd be a great addition for the Lions along someone like Kirby, jo- Kirby Joseph in that secondary who's an ascending player for them. I expect that we'll see the Lions try to beef up uh, the defensive line. They probably feel good about someone like Aleem McNeil, uh, but they need that other impact defensive lineman 
uh, along with him. So someone like Javon Hargrave, who we mentioned last week, but someone like Sheldon Rankins could also be interesting. Matt Ioannidis is another free agent defensive lineman that I loved when he came out in 2016. I don't know if he really fits what the Lions want to do up front, but I guarantee that this is a Coach Campbell type, right? Um, I'd expect some help on the defense will be added with a little bit of the money that they have to work with. But I would also like to add a little bit of help on the offensive side, especially at that tight end position. I understand why they would ship someone like TJ Hawkinson off. It made sense in probably their long-term plans, but with the offense up and running, right, they were really playing well. I just feel like adding in some moderate talent at that position would be a big boost. So you don't have to wait for a rookie to come along. Right. Um, I might even looking look to add someone like Austin Hooper, who's not amazing, but he would give you an inexpensive receiving option that could come in and help Goff out right away and kind of give him that outlet option at tight end. Yeah, absolutely. We saw kind of a smorgasbord of undrafted street free agent tight ends catching touchdowns after they traded Hawkinson away. And so you get somebody who has a little bit more juice, a little bit more experience, um, the middle of the field is going to be opened up with yeah, seriously. Amon Ross St. Brown on one side, Jamison Williams on the other, DeAndre Swift in the backfield, maybe Jamal Williams, right? They they yeah. got a lot of weapons. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you get somebody over the middle and somebody that can be a red zone threat, that that could be dangerous. Um, when I take a look at the draft, I, I have, you know, obviously it's starting to become mock draft season. And I have seen several iterations where Will Anderson or Jalen Carter slide a little bit. And I'd be so incredibly happy if I was Detroit to get one of those two (laughs) players, right? To have them slide down to six. But I would not be willing to be that patient if I am them. This is a team that just finished over 500. They look like they could take a big step in the NFC North. And if quarterbacks go one and two in the draft, I'm calling Arizona right away about trading up to number three. The Lions have two second rounders. They can certainly part with one to move up three spots and then get the defender of their choice. Would Arizona do that? I'm not so sure, but I would think Arizona's probably interested in a tackle. Three seems a little rich to be taking the first tackle off the board in this year's draft class, and they might move down to collect more picks. And for me... Pairing Aiden Hutchinson with Will Anderson is a nightmare situation for the rest of the NFC North. And I'll give you a little sneak peek. I just started like my actual grading of of uh, you know the draft prospects for 2023. Will Anderson is going to get a film grade of 89. <laughs> which is the exact same grade I gave Aiden Hutchinson. And uh, those two together would be scary, scary stuff for everybody, including us as Packers fans. But it makes a lot of sense. You're there, you know, strike while the iron's hot, get an elite player if you can, rather than adding more, more really good players. And at 18, I think you can certainly get creative. I I already addressed cornerback in free agency. I think that's definitely a spot that they could look in the draft. So I would be more likely in my scenario to go with maybe a wide receiver like Jordan Addison, uh, maybe even Quentin Johnson, although I think Addison probably fits what they're looking for a little bit better. Um, A tight end like Michael Mayer. We just got done talking about tight ends. Michael Mayer is fantastic out of Notre Dame. Uh, Could be a really good fit. Or, or... 
They could look at a quarterback for the future, like an Anthony Richardson. And the rest of the draft, you just keep going best player available. You have a preference towards the defense, but you don't turn away adding depth to a really good young roster. Mm-hmm. And I think I think you get a lot of things done that way. Yeah, I like what you did there a lot. And actually, uh, like, I mean, this defense needs a lot. But, I mean, if you can get the two pass rush spots figured out with Hutchinson and Anderson, that's going to cover up a lot on the back end. So if you're not able to, you know, fix the secondary to the extent that you'd like to, man, that gets you that gets you at least halfway there. It really just feels like the Lions, if you had a blueprint for a rebuild, it just seems like they've done it so well and they've obviously it's taken some luck um on hitting on picks and also getting uh draft capital to end up what it's been but it just seems like things have really aligned well for them to do this it's kind of amazing to actually see it all happen actually that you know one more maybe two more draft classes into this we'll see how it all pans out but uh, this might sound crazy but i feel like the quarterback position should absolutely be in play for Detroit when we're talking about the draft here. I know that Goff has played well, and this isn't, you know, to slight Goff, but he's still Jared Goff. And how confident are you that last year wasn't the exception to the rule? And even if Goff continues to play well, you're going to have to pay him soon, right? That's going to have to happen. So Detroit has the sixth pick in this draft, and it feels like, like we're talking, we feel pretty optimistic about what the Lions are doing. It feels like they're going to be positioned to be picking later in the draft for the years to come. So this is probably a 500 football team going forward, so you're not going to have this opportunity. This might be your last shot to be within striking distance of a franchise type of quarterback. Um, I just wonder if Detroit should take a player like Stroud, let him sit behind Goff for a year, and then roll with a QB on a rookie contract. And and I just kind of wonder if they don't take that route, if they'll regret it, and if they'll be stuck in QB purgatory really, really soon. So that's my play here. I'm going to do my best to get up for a quarterback like Stroud, even if it costs me a little bit of, say, that second-round draft capital that we have. And then, if I can, I'm going to go then at the second pick uh, in round 18, and I'm going to be looking at cornerbacks, uh, someone like Joey Porter Jr. or Christian Gonzalez to pair with Jeff Akuda. Uh, so I really like that you mentioned Michael Mayer there. I think that that's a great fit as well. I think he could step in, fill that hole by Hawkinson. Um, it's going to be fascinating to see what they do with these picks. But for me, I just feel like this might be one of the last chance they get to go ahead and take the swing at the quarterback. Yeah, and and so we know this is a really good offense, and they have a chance to help bring the defense up to um, you know, at least be reasonably good and really make a push at being a playoff team for next year. They have the draft resources to do that. They have some uh, financial ability to do that. And so this is a team that looks like they could be really competitive going forward. I will say this, though. Um, I, I do think that there is some regression to be expected out of this mm. Lions team. So I think they do need to really jump on the opportunity that they mm-hmm. have to improve in order to take that next step as a franchise and, and be an actual playoff team instead of just a, a competitor. Okay, so that's Detroit, right? And we'll get to we'll do the Vikings next week, and so that'll be fun. We'll we'll talk about Minnesota, uh, but we've got actual playoff football going on. We don't get to participate in it this year, which is a bummer. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about what we've got going this weekend, and maybe some of the matchups that we're looking forward to watching. 
Yeah, as as a kid who grew up in the 90s, I absolutely hate the idea of the Cowboys and 49ers <laughs> as an important playoff game. And yeah. actually, like, Eagles-Giants also kind of trauma-inducing for 90s. Like, the, if you simmed a season of Tecmo Super Bowl, this is kind of <laughs> what you would expect to see in yeah. the NFC playoffs. Yeah. Um, but, man, this one is fascinating to me. Uh, I know everyone loves the 49ers, and they seem, quote-unquote, unbeatable. But in so many ways... I think the Cowboys are actually a more talented version of San Francisco. Dallas's defense is so good that they might actually be able to challenge the 49ers seemingly unlimited weapons on offense, right? It kind of comes down to, can you disrupt Brock Purdy, which just hasn't happened yet? Can you force him to hold the ball a little bit and then, you know, Dallas's pass rush can get home. And I think this game comes down to if we see like great Dak Prescott that we saw last week. Yeah. Yeah. Or turnover prone Dak, Dak Prescott, like we see about 40% of the time. Um, and so I, I think San Francisco Dallas is going to be fascinating. Yeah. That one will be really, really fun. And we talked about like San Francisco wasn't necessarily a terrifying playoff opponent for the Packers if they got in. I mean, a really tough matchup, but you kind of expect that Purdy's going to, at some point, meet somebody that's going to throw him off. He's going to have to play under pressure, and this Dallas defense is probably a good good test for him. So it'll be fun to watch. I mean, what an incredible story he's had for the 49ers. But I'm going to say, and this feels really, really gross, but I've never felt like it was easier to root for Dallas <laughs> than these last two weeks, right? Tampa Bay, San Francisco makes pulling for the Cowboys possible. So you're right. Dallas, San Francisco, that is going to be a fun game and got to be a Mike McCarthy fan, right? That's, I think that's fair for us as Packers fans. Um, I want to see Trevor Lawrence sink the Kansas city chiefs, but that feels like a lot to ask. So I'm just going to pretend like it's not possible. Um, I'm probably most looking forward to the Bengals bills game. Lots of emotion in that one for obvious reasons, but, uh, Two absolutely talented rosters, two quarterbacks who are playing out of their minds right now, and it's the second AFC game. So the winner punches their ticket to the championship game. They know who they'll be playing um, if they win it. So I think there's just going to be a lot of fun in that game and a great competition between those two teams. Yeah, and the Bengals seemingly don't have any healthy offensive linemen. So yeah. can they hold up to right. enough to let Joe Burrow do his magic? Yeah. Can Josh Allen stop turning the ball over three times a game? Seriously. I don't know. We'll see. I the, I agree with you. That was the game that I was going to pick, but I thought I'd be nice and leave oh, it thanks. you. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I mean, a lot of really great football <laughs> to watch. And uh, should be a really fun weekend. But that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Pack Day Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. You can find me at Andrew Mertig. Please subscribe and rate the podcast. You can catch Kyle and myself every Friday. And next week we'll be back with more off-season conversation. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember... Go, hey, go.